Hey everyone, so you want to know how to use Anchor, right? I'm here to inform, guide, and help you on how to use Anchor. Anchor is a phone app and hosting site owned by Spotify. It's the awesome idea to start creating your podcast by attempting to be the one-stop shop for podcasters without an extensive technical background. You can follow the vertical integration model, meaning that you can record, distribute, and monetize your podcast. Why are you struggling with paying a hosting site which includes promoting your show with limited storages? Forget about it. It's the simple fact that unlimited storage is free. It includes recording, adding music, intros, outros, and uploading episodes. Plus, you get paid some money to put in your pocket through sponsorships with no minimum listenership. That's fantastic and magnificent, isn't it? These are the important things to create and make a podcast. You can download Anchor on your phones, tablets, laptops, and computers, or you can check out anchor.fm so you can get a head start on your podcast right now. Remember, if you have a dream of creating your own podcast, don't let anyone stop you from achieving your goals and dreams. If I can reach the amount of success loving what I'd love to do in this career, podcasting field so can you i'm g money stacks thank you for listening and have fun with your podcast let's go Yo, good evening, everyone from the U in the USA, all over the world, Canada, 
Long Island, aka Strong Island, plus the five spots of Brooklyn, Bronx, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Queens. I'm your man, G Money Stacks, aka Lone, aka the Misunderstood Lonely Nomad, YouTuber, Unstoppable Independent Podcaster, YouTuber, host with the most, and rookie podcaster of Queens, New York. And you are now tuning in and rocking with the 17th episode of Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast, the Sports Edition Show. And we got a jam-packed show for you today. We are live and direct from YouTube and StreamYard. And alongside myself is the Instagram live feed of Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast. Make sure you guys turn on your notifications so you don't miss a beat. All right? Now, <clears throat> if you if you are a new listener and a new YouTuber watcher from the YouTube universe and you miss any previous episodes whatsoever, don't worry. I got you. All you need to do is go grab the subscribe button on the YouTube channel page, which is Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast. And, of course... Make sure you tap the naughty naughty bell so you can be reminded when the show goes in the air via live stream. Leave a like and a comment with the episodes and topics. And of course, um, download your favorite episodes, share the episodes, and I will go over everything um at the end of the show. All right. Um <clears throat> now, how am I feeling mentally, physically, and spiritually? You ask. Um, for me, um, it went from being disappointed since baseball got canceled to me getting a raise on Friday and being able to, um, you know, treat myself to a hoodie. And that's exactly what I did. And, and yesterday I did record my 123rd episode of off the meat rack chains new york podcast um of course you you guys um make sure you check it out on the youtube channel page the audio will the audio for 122 will be out tomorrow 123 will be out on wednesday so there you go right there and also remember reach out to your loved ones especially um your wives, your husbands, your friends, your boyfriends, and your girlfriends. You know, those individuals might be fine on the outside, but on the inside, they are not. So you don't have to wait um, every year when it comes to Mental Health Day and Mental Health Awareness Month, which is in May. Um, It's all about um following your mind your soul your heart and your instincts and common sense is not always common so you can't you can't really put a time frame on when is a good time to actually reach out to somebody um because they might be going they might be going through something scary they might have suicide thoughts i mean come on you never know you know what i'm saying so you know it's very important that we all do our mental health check-in with um 
the people we care about, our friends, and of course, you know, everybody. You know what I'm saying? And that's very important. Um, so so yeah, there you go with um your mental health check-in. Um, of course, we're gonna go into a little something something, um, which is the quick bleach the quick side bleacher bar. All right. Now, in honor of Women's History Month, happy Women's History Month to all the women out there that's um that's that are hard workers out there having careers in media personality, TV personality, radio, podcast, um all the above. Now, this first this first um this first person that I'm going to dedicate Women's History Month to is um one of the one of the um one of the um sisters which is Serena Williams. All right. <clears throat> All right, let's get to this. Um Serena Williams born September 26, 1981 is an American professional tennis player. She has been ranked singles world number one by the Women's Tennis Association for 319 weeks, including a joint record 186 consecutive weeks and finished as the year and number one five times. She has won 23 Grand Slam singles titles, the most by any player in the open era and the second most of all time behind Margaret Court. Along with her older sister, Venus, Serena Williams was coached by her parents, um, Oracine Prince and Richard Williams. Turning professional in 1995, she won her first major singles title at the 1999 U.S. Open. From the 2002 French Open to the 2003 Australian Open, she was dominant winning all four major singles titles to achieve a nine-calendar year Grand Slam and um, <clears throat> the career Grand Slam known as the Serena Slam. The next few years saw her claim two more singles majors but suffered from injury and decline in form. Beginning in 2007, however, she gradually returned to form despite continued injuries, retaking the world number one singles ranking. Beginning at the 2012 Wimbledon Championships, Williams returned to dominance, claiming Olympic gold, um, completing the career Golden Slam, and eight out of 13 singles majors, including all four in a row from to 2014 to 15 to achieve a second Serena Slam. At the 2017 Australian Open, she won her 23rd major singles title, surpassing Steffi um, Graf's um, Open Era record. She then took a break from professional tennis after um, becoming pregnant and has reached four major finals since returning to play. Williams also has also won 14 major women's 
doubles titles and three women's doubles Olympic gold medals, all with her sister Venus. This includes a non-calendar year Grand Slam between the 2009 Wimbledon Championships and the 2010 French Open, which granted the sisters the doubles world number one ranking. She has also won two major mixed double titles, both in 1998. Williams is widely considered one of the greatest tennis players of all time. The arrival of the Williams sisters has been credited with ushering in a new era of power and athleticism on the women's professional tennis floor. No, tour, excuse me. Um, Serena holds um, the most combined major titles in singles, doubles, and mixed doubles among active players with 39. 23 in singles, 14 in women's doubles, and two in mixed doubles. She is joint third on the all-time list and second in the open era for total major titles. She is the most recent uh, woman to simultaneously hold all four major singles titles, 2002, 2003, and 20. 2014 to 15 and the most recent woman to win the surface slam um doing so in 2015 she is also with her sister venus the most recent player to have held all four slam grand slam women's doubles titles simultaneously 2009 to two to ten um okay williams was the most highest paid woman athlete in 2016 earning almost 29 million dollars she repeated this feat in 2017 when she was the only woman on forbes list of the 100 highest paid athletes with 27 million dollars in prize money and endorsements she has won the, the the um what is it Laureus Sports Woman of the Year Award four times 2003 2010 2016 and 2018 and in December 2015 was named sports person of the year by Sports Illustrated magazine in 2021 she was ranked 28th on Forbes World's highest paid athletes list she is the highest er earning woman athlete of all time wow um okay yeah um so williams was born on september 26 1981 in Michigan to Orsine Price and Richard Williams. She is the youngest of Price's Price's five daughters, half sisters, um, um, Yetunde, Lindrea, and um, Asha Price, and four oldest 
older sister, Venus. She also has at least seven potential half-siblings. Um, when, when the children were young, the family moved to Compton, California. Whoa. Where she started playing tennis at age four. Her father homeschooled her and her sister, Venus, while he and so, subsequently her mother have been their official coaches. Her other mentors have included Richard Williams, a Compton man who shared her father's name and subsequently founded the Venus and Serena Williams Tennis Tutorial Academy. Okay. When Williams was nine, she and her family moved from Compton to West Palm Beach, Florida, so she could attend the Tennis Academy of Rick uh, Rick Mossy, who provided her um, with additional coaching. Mossy did not always agree with Williams's father, but respected that he treated his daughters like kids, allowed them to be little girls. Richard stopped sending his daughters to national junior tennis tournaments when Williams was 10 as he wanted them to go slowly and focus on schoolwork. Experiences of racism also influenced this decision as he had heard white parents talk about the Williams sisters in a derogatory manner during tournaments. At the time, Williams had a 46-3 record on the United, on the United States Tennis Association Junior Tour and was ranked number one among under 10 players in Florida. In 1995, when Williams was in the ninth grade, her father pulled his daughters out of uh, uh, Mossy's um, academy and took over all coaching at their home. When asked in 2000 whether it would have been more beneficial for them to have followed the normal path of playing regularly on the junior circuit, Williams responded, everyone does different things. I think Venus and I, we just attempted a different road and it worked for us. Now, we're going to go to... All right. Hold on a second. All right. Um. All right. Um. Williams' parents wanted their daughter to wait until she was sixteen to participate in professional tournaments. In nineteen ninety-five, just after turning fourteen, Williams planned to make her professional debut as a wild card entry in the bank of the west classic in oakland california but was denied by the wta due to their age eligibility restrictions she subsequently filed an antitrust lawsuit against the women's tour but withdrew it at her parents request her first professional event was in October 1985 at the Bell Challenge in Quebec, where she used a wild card entry to circumvent age, elig age eligibility rules. 
She lost in the first qualifying round to the to then 18-year-old American Annie Miller, um, winning just two games. Williams did not play a tournament in 1996. The next year, she lost in the qualifying rounds of three tournaments before winning her first main draw match in November at the Ameritech Cup Chicago. Ranked number 304, she upset number seven, Mary Pierce, and number four, Monica uh, Celeste, recording her first win, her first career win over top 10 players and becoming the lowest ranked player in the open era to defeat two top 10 opponents in one tournament. She ultimately lost in the semifinals to number five, Lindsay um, Davenport. She she finished 1997, ranked number 99. Hold on one second. Okay, Williams began 1998 at the Medibank International Sydney. As a qualifier ranked number 96, she defeated number three Davenport in the quarterfinals before losing to a ranked Sanchez Vicario in the semifinals. Williams made her debut in the main in the main draw of Grand Slam tournament at the Australian Open, where she defeated sixth um, seeded Arena um, Spurlia in the first round, before losing to her sister Venus in the second round in the sisters' first professional match. She reached six other quarterfinals during the year, but lost. All of them. Um, hold on. Including her first match against number one ranked Martina Hinges at the Lipton International Players Championship in Key um, Biscayne, and her second match against Venus at the Italian Open in Rome. She failed to reach the quarterfinals of any Grand Slam tournament the remainder of the year, losing in the fourth round of the French Open to Arenza Sanchez Vicario and the third round of the U.S. Open to um, Spurlia. She withdrew from Wimbledon two games into a match with Virginia uh, uh, Ruano um, Pascal after straining a calf muscle during the first set. She did win the mixed doubles title at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open with Max um, um, Murney completing the Williams family sweep of the 1998 mixed doubles Grand Slam tournament. She won um, her first professional title in doubles in Oklahoma City with Venus, 
um, becoming the f the third pair of sisters to win a WTA title. They won two more doubles titles that year. Williams finished the year ranked number 20 in singles. <sighs> um, a 16-year-old Serena and her sister Venus completely Competed in a tennis battle of the sexes against um, Karsten um, Brach at the 1998 Australian Open. At the time, Brach was 203rd in the ATP rankings. The sisters had claimed that they could beat any man outside the top 200 and accepted his challenge. Brach beat both of them, playing one set against each. The score versus Serena was 6-1 and, and versus Venus 6-2. Brash said afterward, 500 and above, no chance. The sisters later tweaked the number to beating men outside of, out, excuse me, outside the top 350. <clears throat> Okay, 1999 to 2001, becoming a top 10 player. Williams lost in the third round of the 1999 Australian Open to uh, Sandrine um, Testud. A month later, Williams won her first professional singles title when she defeated um, Emily um, Moresmo in the final of the Open Gas de France in Paris, with Venus also winning the IGA Super Thrift Classic in Memphis, Tennessee. That day, the pair became the first sisters to win professional tournaments in the same week. In March of that year, at the, at the uh, um, Evert Cup in California, Williams won her first um Tier one title, defeating Steffi Graf in the final. Soon afterward, at the Miami Masters, Williams had her 16 match winning streak ended by her sister in the first all sister singles final in WTA history. And she then made her top 10 debut at number nine. She then lost in the quarterfinals of the Italian Open and the German Open and the third round of the French Open, where she and Venus won the women's doubles title. <clears throat> All right, um, let me see. Yes, Williams then missed Wimbledon because of injury. When she returned to the tour, Williams won a Fed Cup singles uh, match and and then won the J.P. Morgan Chase Open in Los Angeles, beating Julie um, Hollard um, um, Dacuges in the final. She then defeated in Secession Grand Slam champions Kim 
um, Kim, um, um, I'm not even going to um, butcher the last name. So, um, so Kim, um, Conchita Martinez, Monica Celeste, and defeating champion Lindsay Davenport to reach the U.S. Open final, where she defeated number one um, Hinges to become the second African-American woman after uh, Athena Gibson in 1958 to win a Grand Slam singles tournament. The Williams sisters also won the doubles title at the tournament. To complete her 1999 season, Williams won a doubles match in the Fed Cup final against Russia. Williams ended the year ranked number four in just um, her second full year on the main floor. All right, I'm going to skip all this, actually. Yeah, I'm skip all this though. <clears throat> Just a minute. Um, all right. I, I think I'm gonna have to um, cause I got some other topics that I have to talk about here. I also wanted to make sure that uh, that I got the whole Women's History Month thing out the way. So. Let's see. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a lot though, man. So let's go to um. Okay. Playing style though. Um. Okay. Um. All right. Let's move on to the point. Wait. All right, I'm going to go to the playing style. All right. Um. Yeah. Hold on a second. <clears throat> All right. All right. All right. Um. So, um, all right, let's, let's move on to the next topic. I thought I could continue with this, but, you know, wanted to dedicate um, Women's History Month to Serena Williams. I know there's a lot of information. Um, I thought I was going to actually do all, read all this, but I'm probably not going to do too much of that. So, um, what we're going to do is, okay. All right, I'm gonna um, go over um a little bit of um a little bit of um a little bit of everything, I guess. Um, so 
Um, let's see. Yeah, we're not gonna go to playing styles. That's just too long to read. Um, okay, let's go to the playing style. I'm sorry. Um, Williams is an aggressive baseliner whose game is centered um, around her powerful serve and forceful ground strokes. Due to her high-risk playing style, she typically hits a large number of both winners and unforced errors. Williams' greatest asset is her serve, which is considered the greatest in the history of women's tennis. Her serve is known for its fast-paced and accurate placement, allowing her to serve numerous aces. At the 2013 Australian Open, she served a 128.6 miles per hour ace in her third-round match against um, Ayumi Morita, which is the third-fastest serve recorded in WTA history. Williams possesses an accurate and consistent ball toss, allowing her to serve to any position on the court with minimal differences in the position of the ball in the air. This makes it difficult for opponents to read her service motion and predict the position of her serve, allowing her to dominate a rally from the first stroke. Williams also possesses effective and accurate um, kick and slice serves, which she deploys as um, second serves, minimizing double faults and preventing opponents from scoring free points. <clears throat> Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Williams is also known for her forceful grand strokes, which are considered to of the most powerful shots in the history of women's tennis. She hits both her forehand and her backhand in an open stance, allowing her to generate consistently powerful, heavy, and dominating ground strokes and to generate sharp, acute angles, uh, which allow her to hit winners from any position on the court. Williams is known for her forehand, which has been described as devastating. Her forehand, for, excuse me, her forehand is hit with heavy topspin. Um, this allows her to um, dominate rallies, and she is capable of hitting her forehand both cross court and down the line to produce winners. Her two Handed backhand is equally dominant and has been described as one of the greatest backhands of all time. Williams tend to hit her backhand uh, flatter than her forehand, allowing her to hit her backhand with speed, power, and depth, both cross-court and down the line, despite playing primarily from the baseline. Williams is an adept net player due to her extensive doubles experience and will frequently choose to finish points at the net either with depth touch aggressive drive valleys or a solid powerful and reliable overhead smash 
Williams possesses an aggressive return of serve. She neutralizes powerful first serves and attacks weak second serves. She is widely considered one of the greatest return players of all time. All right. All right. Um, all right. Um, we need to talk about the rumor in the air that has to do with Saquon Block, Sa- Saquon Barkley. No, yes. Yeah, rumor in the air about Saquon Barkley. All right. Um, <clears throat> okay, Indian, uh, Indianapolis, New York Giants general manager Joe um, um, Show made some significant. Wait, hold on. Hold on a minute here. Yeah, made some significant news during his first career NFL scouting combined news conference. Running back Saquon Barkley could be traded this season, this offseason. Um, Scoen told reporters during his 15 minutes Q&A Tuesday, I'm open to everything. I'm not going to say yes to every deal, but I'm going to listen. Um, Will the Giants trade Saquon Barkley? Dealing Barkley would be a quick and massive um, repudiation. Um, of the person who had um, Scone's job previously. Former Giants general manager Dave Gentleman took Barkley's um, second overall in 2018, drafting him over quarterback Josh Allen. He doubled and tripled down on the decision in word and deed in the years that followed. Barkley has um, never lived up to that billing. Injuries surely played a role, and his career stats roughly 4,400 yards from scrimmage and 27 touchdowns aren't terrible. But nonetheless, the Giants are no closer to winning a championship now than when he was drafted. Barkley is entering the final year of his rookie contract. The Giants picked up his fifty, his fifth year option, which will pay him seven point two million dollars guaranteed this year. Both and both the entire salary and his entire cap figure, also on um, seven point two million dollars, would come off the Giants' books should they deal him. Scoring acknowledge the Giants could be looking to move multiple veterans considering their bad cup, no bad cap situation. They need to shed $11.5 million in liabilities by March 16th just to get under the cap and even more to add new players. Moving on from Barkley will, of course, be an acknowledgement of failure, but the future will be gentlemen's, not Scoins. Um, yeah, not Scoins. Okay, so who would trade for Barkley, and what could it take? Presumably, only a team that believes it's close to winning a championship: the Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals, New England Patriots, and Buffalo Bills. Scoins former team. 
come to mind. As for compensation, probably a third round pick at best. Um, our NFL team is on the ground in Indianapolis at the NFL scouting combine, and ha- and there have been lots of news and rumors flying around from around the league. Here's our collection of stories today, Marshall. I'm not even going to go into all that. So, you know, oh man, this is tr- this is a tricky one right here, man. Um, I'm pretty. I don't know, man. Um, this is going to be a hard one. This is a hard one. Um, this is more of a wait and see. So I don't really have anything to say on that one. And um, speaking of rumors, speaking of rumors, um, let's talk Josh McDaniels. Okay, so the Los the Las Vegas Raiders had a turbulent twenty twenty one season, but with new leadership in the building, head coach Josh McDaniels believes the team's new power structure can only lead to success. The Raiders finished the season 10-7 overall, winning the the last four of their games and finishing second in the AFC West behind the Kansas City Chiefs. In mid-October, former head coach John Gruden resigned after articles were published in detailing his reported use of racist, homophobic, and misogynistic terms in emails dating back to 2010. The 58-year-old Gruden was five games into the fourth season of a 10-year, $100 million contract with the the franchise. The Raiders hired McDaniels, the former New England Patriots offensive coordinator, as their head coach on January 30th. McDaniels is joined in Las Vegas by fellow former Patriot and and now Raiders GM Dave um, Ziegler. Um, the first big coaching addition to addition the two made for the team was the hiring of Patrick Graham as defend defensive coordinator followed by Patriots um, WR coach Mick Lombardi as as offensive coordinator. The Las Vegas Review Journal reports that as the new Raiders coaching and personal staff worked their first NFL scouting combine this week, they also continued building a working relationship. Ziegler and McDaniels are tasked with taking a franchise on the border of consistent playoffs um, contention to regular postseason success. And the two said they had to hit the ground running. McDaniels said there's no time for a learning curve or to take steps backwards. I don't think in today's NFL there's really any time to do rebuilding anyway, McDaniels said. This This certainly isn't the type isn't that type of situation for us um the review journal reports scouting combine 
provided a glimpse at the new power structure within the organization and how it is different from before. Under Ziegler and McDaniels, the goal is to produce better results while guarding against some of the huge swings and misses the Raiders took and Gruden and Mike Mayock. Um, <clears throat> it helps the two have a decades-long friendship and working relationship, allowing them to not only share the same football language and vision, but also to have the space to respectfully disagree and find a way to compromise the review journal reports. The GM holds the final say on personal matters. The, the, the review journal reports that was on display. Ziegler coached, no, couched McDaniel's declaration. Derek Carr undoubt, undoubtedly be the team's starting quarterback in 2022 with a less constrictive response. Ziegler and McDaniel's, wait, hold on. Yes, Ziegler and McDaniels communicated their plans on building the roster, learning about the team and each other and everyone's personalities, whereas with Gruden, his approach could often be more shoot from the hip. So while they may not have time for a rebuild, it seems like the team has some pretty organized footing and a solid foundation heading into this. Right. Um, all right. Um, let's see. Um, let's go to our next topic right here. Um, hold on a second. Hold on a second. We're gonna go into some basketball stuff right here. Um we're gonna go to some basketball stuff right here. Um, this was most recent. This is most recent. Um, okay. Um, so the Nets use words like frustrated and disappointed after the latest loss. Hold on. At the late, after the latest loss, uh, they should have added embarrassed after this one. Brooklyn collapsed in the fourth quarter against the Wolves. Woe be gone, Kings, blowing a lead and getting stunned 112 to 101 before 13,153 at Golden One Center. The Nets ran their losing streak to six straight, the longest scared currently in the NBA, and their worst since dropping seven in a row from December 26, 2019, January 7, 2020. Um, but considering the team's expectations, this was far more humbling and worrying. It's everything, a little bit everything, James Harden said. We have to keep chipping away a day at a time that's all you can do come together closer even tighter it's 
definitely frustrating. It's definitely difficult, but we've got to find a way to get out of it as a group. The ugly loss came after the Nets. 29 to 22 has shown signs of life in tough losses at Golden State and Phoenix, the two best teams in the league. But Wednesday night, they showed precious little fight, taking an 86-83 into the fourth, but conceding nine unanswered points to open the final period. Um, the next shot. Um, just seven of 21 in the fourth and one of nine from deep to get outscored 29 to 15. And this from a Kings team that had dropped seven straight. Man, that's got to suck right there, man. Our level, <laughs> our level of play just dropped significantly in the second half on both sides of the bail, Steve Nash said. Let we let guys beat us off the dribble at a much higher rate than we did in the first half. We just didn't make shots, didn't make plays, and looked tired offensively. Nobody looked more tired than Harden. He had 12 assists, but just four points on two of 11 shooting. He committed six turnovers and finished a, ret- a wretched minus 21. Wow. I thought James looked tired, Nash said. He didn't have his legs. It was one of those nights. It was Harden's lowest score game since 2014, in which he logged at least 30 minutes. Tuesdays in Phoenix had marked his return from a night hand injury, but on the tail end of this back-to-back, it was his legs that gave out. Um, It's just the reality that when you come out, some guys aren't going to have the same legs they had um, the night before. Kyrie Irving said, that's a factor into every ball game when you are playing a back-to-back. You just saw we ran out of gas. Playing without Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, and now um, LaMarcus Aldridge, the Nets got a career-high 23 points and 11 boards from Nick Claxton, but it wasn't enough. The Nets have fallen from atop the East on January 22nd to three and a half games behind the Bulls. They are just one and a half clear of the Hornets for the play-in, hmm. which means they probably have a shot at the playoffs. So um, that's a wait and see. Yeah, that's a wait and see right there. So we got to wait and see. Um. Asked why they've been so wildly inconsistent, Harden said, you you know just as good as I do. We just got a lot of different things um, internally, lineups, and we haven't had any continue out, continuity yet. So it's just one of those things where you've got to just keep going. Nothing else to do but keep going, keep pushing forward. After the Nets, trailed 23 to 21 
on Davian Mitchell's um, finger roll, the um, reeled off a 14-zip run that spanned into the second. Irving's back-to-back three-pointers and Patty Mills's three cap the run for a 35-23 cushion, but they couldn't build on it or, in the end, even hold onto it. James Johnson, 18 points, hit a pull-up to the to end the third to give the Nets a three-point edge going into the final period, but it didn't last. Brooklyn coughed up a nine-run, nine-zip run, Harden's six turnover leading to a buddy healed three. His ensuing technical hand if healed, um, 18 points off the bench, a free throw that made it 92-86. The clock need the clock read um 10-21 to play, but it was over. Next up is Utah and Denver to end a gru- grueling trip, but the Nets have no intention of calling a players only meeting. No, I think we've done too much talking, Harmon said. We've got to go out there and do it, and do it consistently. We have times where we're great, then we have times where we're really bad. And you've just got to find some consistency. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, consistency. Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one right there, though, man. That's really tough. Um, so, um, okay. Hold on one second. Okay, in other in other Kevin Durant news, by this stage of his career, we definitely know who Kevin Durant is and what he can do on the basketball floor. After missing twenty one games with um an MCL sprain, Durant made his long awaited return to the Nets to yeah return to the Nets who's sorely needed um their their leader but <clears throat> but alas the team still fell short coughing up a 16 point lead to the undermanned Miami Heat who were playing without um Jimmy Butler Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker the rant finished the game with 31 points on 10 of 21 shooting in 30 in 35 minutes um to go along with four rebounds and four assists as the Nets dropped their third consecutive game 113 to 107 wow that sucks that really sucks right there um hang on a second yeah, that sucks right there. Um, yeah, um, I felt great, Durant 
said post game, I'm only going to get better, more comfortable out there, take more of a, of a load out there too when I get more games under my belt. Um, Prior to his injury, Durant was in the midst of an, MP, an MVP caliber season, averaging 29.3 points, 7.4 rebounds, and 5.8 assists per game on 52.0% shooting from the field and 37.2% from the three-point line. In his absence, the already depleted Nets have nosedived in the standings going on 5-16 since his injury to fall from the number one seed to number eight. Making matters worse is that there is no sign of Ben Simmons' return. Kyrie Irving has yet to get cleared for games in New York City, and sharpshooter Joe Harris has been ruled out for the remainder of the season. Um, I don't look at myself as that as a savior, Durant said before the game, but I know what I can do and how much I can help this team and what we're missing as a group, but I'm not trying to go out there and win a game by myself tonight or make it all about me. I just try to go out there and help and be a good teammate and do what I do. I know what I bring to the table and try to do it to the best of my abilities. After Tuesday night's loss, Brooklyn is just one game ahead of of both Charlotte and Atlanta, who are eighth and ninth, respectively. Durant, on his part, looked like he hasn't he hadn't missed a beat. After missing his first two shots, he found his rhythm and had nine points in the first quarter alone. He reached the thirty-point run. Um, yeah, he reached the thirty. He reached the thirty-point mark late in the fourth on this nasty stop on a dime drive to the hoop. Things won't get any easier for the Nets as their next game is against the Boston Celtics on. Excuse me, Boston Celtics on Sunday. Whew. Um. Let's see. Um, yeah, hold on a minute. Is there anything else? Oh, oh, let's talk about the richest athletes. <clears throat> okay. Um, the modern day sporting industry is full of opportunities to make um, colossal amounts of money. This comes from the significantly significantly high salaries paid by players, numerous endorsement deals, television rights, and many other money-making avenues. As a result, the world's richest athletes are worth huge fortunes from money made on and off the field. So who are these athletes and what is their um, net worth in 2022. Um, 
The wealthiest athletes in the world come from a wide range of sports, the most common being basketball, um, tennis, football, and Formula One racing. Um, richest athletes in the world. Who is the richest athlete in the world? Here is a look at the 30 wealthiest athletes in the world and their current net worth. So here we go. Number 30. Um, yeah, number 30. We got um we got Kimmy Ratkonen, $250 million. Huh. <laughs> Um, Kimmy Raccoon, Raccoon, Raccoonin, um, is a Finnish racing driver who has completed in Formula One since 2001. Kimmy raced for uh, Alfa Romero, Lotus Ferrari, and and Super. He won the 2007 um, Formula One World Championship while racing for the um. Scuderia Ferrari team. At the peak of his Formula One career, Kimmy earned about $50 million per year and was among the highest paid athletes at the time. While his deal with Ferrari significantly limited his endorsements, he still managed to get sponsorships from the companies such as Wrangler and Oakley. In, two, in 2013, Kimmy became the first ever male spokesperson for Wrangler in Europe. Today, his net worth is estimated to be about $250 million. Number nine, no, excuse me, number 29 to be exact, Grant Hill, $250 million. Grant Hill is a former professional basketball player who Currently co-owns NBA team Atlanta Hawks. Hill is widely regarded as one of the greatest NBA players ever. Before his retirement from professional basketball, Grant played for 18 seasons in a career that included stints at Los Angeles Clippers 2012 to 2013. Phoenix Suns 2007 to 2012. Orlando Magic 2000 and to 2007. And the Detroit Pistons, nineteen ninety four to two thousand. Um, during his lengthy career in the NBA, Hill earned a whopping one hundred forty million dollars in salaries and about um, and about one hundred twenty in brand endorsements. His current net worth is estimated to be two hundred fifty million dollars. Uh, number 28, Gary Player, $250 million. Grant is a retired professional golf player who is, excuse me, widely considered among the best golfers in the game's history. Gary won nine major championships on the regular tour and nine on the Champions Tour throughout his career. Gary began his golfing career at a relatively young age going on to win the 1965 U.S. Open at age 29 before his 13th birthday. No, excuse me, 30th birthday. Uh, 
uh, Gary had completed the career grand slam in golf, becoming the the youngest golfer to to achieve the feat at the time. Gary's net worth in 2021 is estimated to be 250 million dollars. Number 27, Fernando Alonso, $260 million. Fernando Alonso Diaz is a Spanish racing driver who currently races for Formula One team Alpine. Ho one. Ho one um the world drivers um championship in 2005 and 2006 while racing in Renault. <laughs> Hold on. I can't believe it. <laughs> he also raced for um, um, Minardi, Ferrari, and McLaren and at some point in his career. Fernando holds the world record for the youngest player to win the World Drivers' Championship. The race driver reportedly makes about $40 million each year. Hold on. Yeah. 40 million each year in brand endorsements has a current net worth estimated at $260 million. Number 26, Lewis Hamilton. Not to be confused with um not to be confused with the um Alex Hamilton. <laughs> $285 million. Lewis Hamilton is a British Formula One driver currently racing for the Mercedes AMG um, Protonis team. Before joining Mercedes, Hamilton raced for McLaren for five years between 2007 and 2012. He holds a joint world record for World Drivers Championship tied with Michael Schumacher. In addition, Lewis also holds the records for most podium finishes in Formula 1, um, 182, most pole positions 103, and most Formula 1 wins 103. He is widely regarded as one of the best Formula 1 drivers of all time. He typically, typically makes about $50 million each year, much of which comes from his contract with Mercedes, which is worth about $40 million annually. <clears throat> um, number 25. Y'all remember George Foreman, right? <laughs> $300 million. Famous for his grill, right? Y'all remember that. <laughs> George Foreman is inarguably one of the best ever athletes who ever graced the boxing world. The former American professional boxer, minister, author, and entrepreneur also happens to be one of the richest boxers of all time. Foreman is an Olympic gold medalist and two-time world heavyweight champion. According, no, excuse me, across business circles, George Foreman is known for the hugely successful George Foreman Grill. After turning pro in 1969, George stacked up an impressive 76 wins out of 81 professional fights. 
by the 1980s, the former boxing net worth was about $5 million. Thanks to the massive success of the George Foreman Grill, the former boxer's net worth skyrocketed to the current $300 million. Number 24, Dale Earnhardt Jr., $300 million. Ralph Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a semi-retired American stock car race, racing driver. He is also an author, team owner, and NBC analyst for NASCAR. Additionally, Dale also takes part in the NASCAR on Xfinity series, in which he drives the, the number 88 Chevrolet Camaro for the JR Motorsports team. Uh, Dale's father is a world-famous NASCAR Hall of Fame inductee. Dale's current net worth is about $300 million. Number 23, A-Rod, $350 million. Nicknamed A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez is a former professional baseball um, third baseman and shortstop. He is also a renowned philanthropist and businessman. Alex's career in the MLB saw him play for the New York Yankees, Texas Rangers, and Seattle Mariners. He is currently he is the current chairman of A-Rod Corporation, owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, and chairman of Presidente, a Pilsner beer that is owned and produced by Cerceria National Dominicana in the Dominican Republic. Okay, interesting about this um, choice of um, beverage. Number 22. Vincent Johnson, $400 million. Um, Vincent Johnson is a former professional basketball player who played for the San Antonio Spurs, Detroit Pistons, and the Seattle um, Supersonics. While playing for the Detroit Pistons, Vincent won the NBA championship in 1989 and 1990. He, he, had, he was nicknamed the Microwave. <laughs> <laughs> the microwave. <laughs> oh man, the microwave! Wow, <laughs> the microwave is a candy ability to heat up the team within a concise time. Johnson's current worth is four hundred million. Um. Number 21, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, $400 million. Um, Dwayne Douglas Johnson is popularly known as known by his wrestling ring name, The Rock, and is inaugurally one of the best known professional wrestlers and actors. Excuse me. He is also an accomplished businessman and with numerous business interests across numerous sectors the rock wrestled in the wwe for about eight years before choosing to pursue other ventures his acting career has been has seen him appear in films that have collectively grossed more than 10.5 billion dollars 
making him one of the highest grossing and highest paid actors in the world. Some of Johnson's business interests include seven bucks um 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 Terramana ter- ter- Project Rock Collection, Zora Sports Drink, and co-ownership of the XFL League. His current net worth is $400 million. Number 20, Shaq, $400 million. Commonly known as Shaq, Shaquille, Shaquille Rashawn O'Neal is a former, former professional basketball player who currently works as a sports analyst on the popular television show Inside the NBA. He is widely considered one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Shaq's NBA career spanned six teams, Orlando Magic from 1992 to 93 to 90, 1995 to 96, the Los Angeles Lakers from 90, 1996, 97 to 2003 to, to 04, the Miami Heat from 2004 to 05 to 2007 to 08, the Phoenix Suns from 2007 to 08, 2008 to 09, the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2009 to 10, and the Boston Celtics in 2010 to 11. He played for 19 years and won the NBA championship four times. Shaq earned $292 million in salary throughout his career and more than $200 million in brand endorsements ever, excuse me, even after his retirement, the former basketball player still makes about $60 million in endorsements and numerous business interests. Number 19, Phil Mickelson, $400 million, right? <clears throat> Phil Mickelson, nicknamed Lefty, is an American professional golf player who has won 45 events on the PGA Tour, including three Masters titles, two PGA Championships, and one Open Championship. After his victory at the 2021 PGA Championship, Phil became the oldest golfer to win the championship. At the time, he was almost 51 years old. Phil is also one of the 17 players to win at least three of the four golf majors. He has won every major except the U.S. Open, in which he has finished in second place a record six times. Mickelson's net worth is currently estimated to be $400 million. Another person, number 18, another $400 million, which is also Jack Nicholas. Nicknamed the Golden Bear, Jack Nicholas, <laughs> the Golden Bear. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Um, <laughs> The Golden Bear, <laughs> Jack Nicholas is a retired professional golfer considered to be amongst the among the best players in the history of the game. Jack won 117 professional 
tournaments in his lengthy golf career spanning more than 25 years. In addition, he won a record 18 major championships, three more than his closest rival, Tiger Woods. Uh, during his time as a golfer, Jack focused on the major championships, the, the PGA Championships, the Open Championship, U.S. Open, and the Masters Tournament. He currently works as a golf course designer. Hmm. Ah, number 17, another person that that has $400 million is, is Greg Norman. Not Newman. <laughs> um, Greg is a retired professional golfer renowned, renowned for his record 331-week streak as the world's number one in the official world golf rankings. Norman won 89 professional tournaments, including two majors and 20 PGA Tour tournaments. Greg is an accomplished entrepreneur and runs a golf course design company in Australia. He is also the CEO of a firm called Great White Shark Enterprises. Um, number 16, Floyd Mayweather. $400 million, $450 million. Floyd Mayweather Jr. is a former professional boxer who currently works as a professional boxing promoter. His boxing career spanned from 1996 to 2015. He came back for a single fight in 2017. Mayweather won 15 major world championships in several weight classes during his career. He is best known for retiring with an undefeated record. Besides his Invariable exploits in the boxing ring. Mayweather is also among the rich, the richest athletes of all time. His current net worth is estimated to be about 450 million. He was named the best 2010s fighters fighter of the decade by the Boxing Writers Association of America. Hmm. Number 15, David Beckham, $450 million. Renowned for his play, no, excuse me, renowned for his physics-defying free kicks during his glory days, David Beckham is undoubtedly among the most talented um, footballers to ever play for the England um, national team. He is currently the co-owner and president of Inter Miami um, CF. Um, Beckham played for several teams in his football career. These include Paris Saint Germain, um, LA Galaxy, AC um, Milan, Real Madrid, Preston North End, and Manchester United. He became the first English player to win league titles in four different countries. France, the United States, Spain, and England. Besides his decorated football career, Beckham, Beckham is also an accomplished businessman. He has endorsements with major brands such as H&M, um, Hag Club, Whiskey, Tudor Watches, and Adidas. His current... Um, no, his current net worth is $450 million. Number 14, 
LeBron James, 500 million. LeBron James is an American professional basketball player who plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. Nicknamed King James, he is widely considered one of the greatest NBA players of all time. He frequently draws comparisons with the legendary Michael Jordan. Um, James joined the NBA after high school when he was drafted as the number one picked by the Cleveland Cavaliers in which in the 2003 draft. Um, he is the only player to have won the NBA championships with three different teams, Los Angeles Lakers, Miami Heat, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. His current net worth is about half a billion dollars. Wow. Number 13, Christian Cristiano Ronaldo, 500 million. Cristiano Ronaldo is a professional Portuguese football player who plays for the English Premier League side Manchester United. He is also the current captain of Portugal national team. Cristiano is considered one of the greatest football players of all time and holds numerous records even before the end of his career. The forward has won four um, European Gold Shoe Awards and five um, Ballon d'Or Awards. The player typically earns anything between $100 million to $150 million in salaries and endorsements in a year. Some of the most notable companies he has endorsement deals with include um, Arborlife, Clear Shampoo, Clear Shampoo, <laughs> Clear Shampoo, excuse me, um, and Nike. Number twelve, Roger Federer. Roger Federer is a Swiss professional. Um, professional um tennis player um who has won 20 grand slam men's titles a record he shares with um novak um um novak um yokovic um the yokovic and rafael on nadal federer has been the world number one tennis player in the ATP rankings for 310 weeks in his career, including a 237-week unbroken streak. Um, and yes, his current his current um net worth is 500 million dollars. By the way, no, 550 million dollars. Um, Federer's career has taken place in an era where he has dominated men's tennis alongside two uh, two other great players, um, Rafael Nadal and Novak um, Djokovic. Um, um, the three are collectively um, referred to as the big three and are widely regarded as some of the best tennis players in the history of the sport. <clears throat> Number 11, um, Roger Stubach, $600 million. 
Nickname Roger the Dodger. <laughs> uh, Stubach is an American former professional football um, American player. He played as a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and led um, the team to victories in the Super Bowl and um, the Super Bowl and actually two Super Bowls, man. Just put it that way. Um, He was the first of the four players who have won both the Super Bowl MVP and the Heisman Trophy at the same time. He currently has several business interests which combine with his career earnings have seen his net worth skyrocket to about $600 million. Number 10, Michael Schumacher, $600 million. Michael Schumacher is a German former Formula One racing driver who raced for Mercedes, Ferrari, Benson, and Jordan. He holds a joint record seven World Drivers Championship titles tied with Lewis Hamilton. Um, at the time of his retirement in 2012, he held the records for most podium finishes, 155, most pole positions, 68, and most wins, 91. However, all these have since been broken by Lewis Hamilton. Still, Schumacher still holds the record for the highest number of of fastest laps. Hmm. Schumacher is among the few athletes whose cum cumulative career earnings exceed the one billion dollar mark. As the at the at the peak of his Formula One career, Schumacher used to earned between 80 million and 100 million per year from salaries and endorsements. Number nine, Magic Johnson, $600 million. Irvin Magic Johnson is an American former professional basketball player and the former president of basketball operations at the LA Lakers. He's often um, regarded as the best point guard in the history of the NBA. Um, Johnson played for the Lakers in a career spanning 13 seasons. In 1996, he was honored as one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history. Magic Johnson's current net worth is $600 million. <clears throat> Number eight, another person that's $600 million is Lionel Messi. Lionel Andres Messi is an Argentine football player um, who currently plays for a forward for Paris Saint-Germain. He is also the captain of the Argentine national team. Over the last few years, there have been numerous comparisons putting the Argentine against Cristiano Ronaldo for the title of the football GOAT. Yeah. Messi has won a record seven um, Ballon d'Or awards 
um, six European Golden Shoe Awards, and many more. Much of Messi's career has been at his boyhood club, FC Barcelona. Um, he played 778 games for the Spanish club, scoring 672 goals before joining PSG in August 2021. Number seven. Um, Hold on a minute. Yeah, number seven is Junior Bridgman, $600 million. Another person with that. Um, Ulysses Lee Bridgman, commonly known as Junior Bridgman, is an American f- former basketball player who played in the NBA for 12 years from 1975 to 1987. He is also an, an accomplished entrepreneur and owns the Jet and Ebony magazine. Surprisingly, Bridge, Bridgman um, never made more than $350,000 per season during his NBA career. Unlike most athletes on his list, Bridgman's current net worth is barely attrib- attributable to salaries and endorsements during the his NBA career. The former basketball player invested in fast food franchises such as Wendy's, a business decision that saw his fortune to the current $600 million. What a coincidence. Another person that's $600 million is, is number six, Eddie Jordan. Edmund Jordan, form, commonly known as EJ, is an Irish former motorsport team owner, TV personality, businessman, and cart championship race racer. In 1971, Eddie won the Irish Cart Championship before moving to Formula Ford in 1974. He later founded Jordan Grand Prix, a Formula One constructor that competed between 1991 to 2005. Jordan is currently a lead analyst for Formula One coverage on BBC. Uh, Number five. Tiger Woods, $800 million. Um, of course, Eldrick T- Tiger Woods is an American professional golfer. Um, Woe holds a joint record PGA Tour wins and, his, and is the second best golfer in terms of the number of major championships won. He is widely regarded as one of the greatest golfers of all time. After an impressive junior college and amateur career, Tiger turned professional in 1996 He, when he was only 20 years old. One year after turning pro, he had won three PGA Tour events as well as his major, his first major. The golfer reportedly earns between $50 million and $60 million, million each year. His cumulative career earnings are over $1.5 billion, about um, $1.8 billion when when adjusted for inflation. He is also the highest golfer of all time. Number four, Anna, Anna, um, Anna, um, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, so I'm not going to really butcher it. So I'm just going to say Anna. 
Um, so Anna is a Danish dressage rider renowned for representing her country in you no know, at the 2012 and 2016 Summer Olympics. At the 2012 um, outing, Anna's team finished in fourth place. However, her net worth is not related to her dressage riding exploits. She is the heir to the Danish um, Danish Echo Shoe Business Empire, currently run by her mother, um, Hanny Toosby. Additionally, Anna is among the richest women under 30 years. Number three, Iron Tyriac. Iron Tyriac, nicknamed the Bulldozer. <laughs> the Bulldozer is the Romanian former professional tennis and ice hockey player. He is the current president of the Romanian Tennis Federation. After a successful ice hockey and tennis career, Tyriac ventured into the business world and currently runs some successful titles. Vince, <laughs> number two, Vince um, McMahon, $1.6 billion. Vince Mahan, Mick McMahon is an occasional wrestler, film producer, and wrestling promoter. He rose to fame as the chief executive officer of World Wrestling Entertainment, famously known as WWE. With a $1.6 billion fortune, Vince is the second wealthiest athlete, even though he barely spends any time um, doing actual wrestling. And... The number one, the number one person that has a highest net worth is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, who is the richest athlete in the world in 2022? The answer is Michael Jeffrey Jordan is an American former professional basketball player and accomplished businessman. His biography on the NBA website reads, by acclamation, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. Obviously, the quite this that quite that is quite something, especially coming from the official NBA site. Jordan was integral in the global popularization of the NBA in the 1980s and 1990s. He played for 15 seasons in the NBA and won six championships with all the Chicago Bulls. Currently, he is the owner of the Charlotte Hornets and the NASCAR Cup Series Team 23XI Racing. Michael's career earnings, endorsements, and numerous business interests contributes to his massive $2.2 billion net worth.
Hmm. Who is the highest player? Wow. That's crazy, man. Yeah. You know what? That's going to do. You know what? Um. Um, whatever topic I don't get to, um, I'm going to actually save that for next time because I'm trying to actually get to, um, all right. Yeah, this is what we're going to do. Um, whatever topics I don't get to today, I will save it for a future episode. So there you go right here. You like what you heard in today's episode 17 or any previous episodes whatsoever, please feel free to show some love by making a charitable donation to my cash app, which is dollar sign G money stacks 555. That's dollar sign capital G lowercase M O N E Y capital S lowercase T A C K Z 555. Once again, it's not about breaking the bank. It's all about doing the best you can on whatever amount of money you are comfortable with will be appreciated. And I do apologize for the long pause during the recording. Um, So, you know what I mean? Anyway, anyway, man, Um, I want to get into, I want to get into a little thing that I like to call, um, hang on a minute, Um, a little thing that I like to call, um, you know, podcast free game mechanisms. Yes, this is a segment in regards to um how to start a podcast. If you if you guys are interested in starting a podcast like I'm doing right now with three shows underneath of my belt, I got you. So there's some key important things you need to start a podcast. You need headphones. And of course, you need microphones. Now, it doesn't have to be anything too expensive. It could be a Yeti. It could be an Avoxcon A800. Um, you could find that you could find microphones in either um either Best Buy, Target, Amazon, or you could or Walmart. Yeah. So, so, um, and this is where I actually, um, segue into StreamYard. Of course, StreamYard is the, is the software that I use to, um, to add my YouTube channels, my three YouTube channels and stuff for, um, episode recordings. And, uh, by the way, you need a laptop or a computer and a, and a, and a supporting software, which I'm discussing right now. So a laptop or a computer will will be very helpful for you to do your live streams on YouTube and stuff. So there you go right there. And of course, um, the, the StreamYard has um, creation tools where you can actually um, get, um, you know, segments, talking points, including the name of the show, creating your own brand um you're able to um add um people to your live stream by sending them links according to your email to their email addresses the the phone numbers and of course um 
Instagram. Now, um, when you are creating an account with StreamYard, all you need to do is type in the email address so you could be um so you could be able to um you know get the login code. Once you get the login code, it could be it could be your personal email address, it could be the podcast email address. When we type in one of the email addresses, you can actually look at your email and else in StreamYard, the people from StreamYard will actually send you an email with six numbers to type. That's going to be your login code. So when you um when you type in the, the, the six numbers, you should be able to be good to go so you can create a schedule on when you're going to start your live stream um, coverage any day of the week. All right. So, yeah. So, yeah. And um, if you have a name of, of a podcast that's very unique, um, even though some people might not um, understand the, the, the story behind the name of the show, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about don't worry about that. And don't worry about um, a, anybody saying just because you have a microphone doesn't mean you can start a podcast, which is the most ignorant thing to say to somebody. You know what I'm saying? You know, don't do that shit, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> can we not do any more insecurity shit? Like, come on, man. This is this is fucking ridiculous, man. Like, seriously. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just, it just baffles me. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. Um, so overall with StreamYard, it has the best sound quality on there. And also when when um the person clicks on the link, the invite link, and if I see and if I see the person coming into the StreamYard studio, I will add you to the live stream so you could be able to um chime in on some topics, um talk about whatever it is, all the other shit though, man. You know what I'm saying? Um so yeah, there you go, right there. And now our last segment of the night before I even wrap up this shit is of course stream no excuse me hold on a second it's uh yes here we go stream choices on the go you can follow me at 17 live at G money stacks Queens New York alongside with um excellent fun vibrant podcast meticulous vibe juice podcast um off the meat rat chains new york podcast on facebook and instagram alongside with my primary handle which is uh which is g money stacks 555 in queens new york on there so there you go right there um I want to actually express uh hold on a minute. I actually want to express um where you can actually um listen to the episodes. Don't forget to turn on the notifications on Instagram. 
so you don't miss a beat of when I'm going to record my next episode on Instagram Live and, of course, YouTube. And by the way, um, you can, you can say hi, say something, so you don't have to, you know, just watch. You can just say say hi or whatever and stuff like that. Chime in on the topics of what's, what I'm going to be discussing. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, and yeah, there, and yeah, there you go right there though. Um, I'm going to actually go to, um, okay. So the apps I am going to list to you now, before I even get into, um, before I even go into the apps of where you can listen to the episodes, um, I added a way, I added a way for you to actually, you know, if you have any questions, if you have any um thoughts and talks that you want to talk about, you could just um there's a way for you to to um to there's a way for you to actually do that. And I'm actually going to fill you guys in on it right now. So what we're gonna do is I am going to go into um I am going to go to the Instagram feed and I am going to guide you to where you can actually get to um, leave a voicemail and whatnot. Um, so when you see the link, link tree slash excellent fun vibrant podcast, you're going to click on there and and you and by the time you click on there you're gonna see the name of the show um you're gonna see um the name of the show with the word voicemail under there um you click on there right what you want to do you can download the anchor app on your android phones and iphones and ipads and um android tablets now what you want to do you're going to go to a page that has the name of the show. You're going to see Spotify. You're going to see more platforms. And you're going to see support. And you're going to see the word message on there. You click on message. And you're going to see um, send a voice. You're going to see send a voice message. Um, you're going to see send a voice message. And... And of course, and of course, you're gonna see a button that says "Start Recording." Now, all you have to do when you start recording your voicemail message, you could you could ask questions, and you can be able to um, share your thoughts and talks about the topics, what you think about the topics, what you think about each episode, whatever it is, man, that you have for me, I'm on yours, right? So there you go, right there. Um, now, these apps that I'm going to mention to you, be sure you download it to your Android tablets, iPads, iPhones, and Android phones, which includes Anchor, Audible, Audacity, Amazon Music, Breaker, Castbox FM, Deezer, Listen Notes. Moon FM Podcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Podfriend, Podorama, Podopolo, Podcast Addict, Podcast Index, 
Podchaser, Podverse, um, Reason FM, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts. Don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Podchaser, Podfriend, and Spotify, along with um, um, Radio Public iHeartRadio, the number one app for music, radio, and podcasts. And and last but not least, the YouTube. What you waiting for? Go on, go on to YouTube, grab the subscribe button, press the no-need-to-no-need no bell so you can be reminded of when the show goes on the air via live stream. Leave a like and a comment along with the episodes and topics. Um, Stay tuned for more upcoming videos upcoming episodes, previous episodes, download your favorite episodes, share the videos, share the episodes, tell a friend to another friend, and of course, don't forget to um, spread the word and share the podcast along with the link that says Linktree slash Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast, um, along with your friends, your husbands, your wives, um, your girlfriends and your boyfriends, um, you know the rest, right? Um, so yeah, listen, that's gonna do it for me. Make sure you um take care of one another, be kind to one another. Make sure you um you tune in every Sunday at six p.m. for Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast Sports Edition Show. Audio episodes will be on Thursdays, and and of course, um, you know the rest. Um, I'm G Many Stacks. Thank you very much for um listening and tuning in and rocking with me. I really appreciate every single one of you, especially all over the world, especially Canada, especially um, especially um, the USA. Long Island, a.k.a. Strong Island, and the five boroughs. I appreciate every single one of you who took the time to listen. All right? So, listen. Um, Be careful out there. Take care of one another. Um, And I will see you guys next time in the next episode. Peace and one love. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And have yourself a good night.
Hey guys, G Money Stacks here. You like what you heard? I need your help on some things. Go to the YouTube channels like Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast Sports Edition Show, G Money Stacks 555, and Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast by grabbing the subscribe button, enable alerts with the notification bell, leave a like, comment on the episodes, including the topics, and much more. Plus, you can catch up on the episodes on streaming platforms, including YouTube, by going to the link that says Linktree slash Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast. Make sure you follow on Instagram, Excellent Fun Vibrant Podcast, Meticulous Vibe Juice Podcast, Off the Meat Rat Chains New York Podcast, alongside with myself, G Money Stacks 555 in Queens, New York. Thank you so much for tuning in and rocking with me and listening to the episodes. Peace and one love.